On November 10th of this year, I was in a car headed to a conference in River North and I texted Rebecca, this lift ride is a living hell. The reason? Christmas music. Jingle bells, little drummer boy, and as we pulled off of Lakeshore Drive, maybe the worst of all, holly jolly Christmas. We were sitting at a red light while Burl Ives was crooning, it's the best time of the year. And the moment the light turned green, oh by golly, did my driver start honking at the person in front of us. Now just to be clear, before you get angry, I'm not one of those people who wants to argue that Christmas music needs to wait for a certain day. Like after Thanksgiving or December 1st, I'm not invested in debating how soon it's okay to turn on white Christmas because I don't want to hear it ever. Any of it. From silver bells to all I want is for Christmas is you. I hate it all. I'm sorry to yuck your yum on Christmas Eve. But that lift ride says a lot about why I feel that way. If you can go around listening to music that ostensibly is about the night when God comes to earth to bring peace and justice and inaugurate a reign of love and still like honk at the person in front of you. And I'm not saying like a gentle honk after you've watched them be on their cell phone for 10 seconds, like an immediate angry honk. If you can do all that while filling your ears with Santa baby and wonderful Christmas, maybe the music has lost some of its meaning along the way. Not that the lyrics of Holly Jolly Christmas are exactly like freighted with meaning to begin with. And that's my beef with it. It's, it's all style and no substance, all form and no content, all light and no heat. Like most Christmas music is an LED bulb and it should be like a raging bonfire. Priya Parker says a lot of our gatherings suffer that way devoid of meaning, of substance, of anything that would raise the temperature in the room. In her book, The Art of Gathering, she writes, you may have grown up hearing the adage to avoid talk of sex, politics, and religion at your gatherings. This commandment to avoid the dangerously interesting is widespread. Personally, I believe that few things are as responsible for the mediocrity and dullness of so many gatherings as this epically bad advice. Bless you. Christmas is too often mediocrity and dullness when it was always meant to be dangerously interesting. It's not true that I don't like any Christmas music. There is one song and you've probably never heard it, so it's really good as an example for a sermon. It doesn't get played on the radio. I learned it in a church choir 20 years ago, and for that one December, I bought a Christmas album and listened to it the whole month. Benjamin Britten's Ceremony of Carols, and the song that I love is called This Little Babe, which sounds as saccharine as most Christmas music, but the rest of the words are anything but. This little babe, so few days old, has come to rifle Satan's fold. All held off at his presence quake, though he himself for cold do shake. Yet in this week, unarmed wise, the gates of hell he will surprise. Yes, it's a little dramatic. 
It's very, very dramatic. Even more so if you have like the full boys choir that you're supposed to have and all the parts, all the voices piling in on top of each other the way they do in the song. Every section coming in like a little sooner than you think it should so that the whole song feels rushed and urgent and intense in your face, like too much really. That's the way a Christmas song should feel. Not something to play in the background at a mall or in a lift ride. Not something that can stay in the background at all. Something strange and arresting. Something that makes you stop the car in traffic and say, what is this? That's what Christmas music should sound like. We're gathered here tonight because some 2,000 years ago, the creator of the universe, the one who was in the beginning and will be at the end, the Alpha and the Omega, chose to take on human life, to become one of us. The God of the universe came to earth in the form of a newborn baby. It's an absolutely ridiculous story to tell and an even more absurd thing to believe, which I do. And the only way it makes even a shred of sense is that if there was a reason, an urgent reason to take that kind of unprecedented action, that kind of dramatic gesture is only justified if the stakes are impossibly high, if it were life and death, good versus evil. God did not come to earth so that we can have a holly jolly Christmas. God came to earth to save our lives and to change the world. God came into the world because the cries of human suffering were unbearable. God could not bear to be separate from us any longer. Seeing that evil abounds, seeing that racism is rampant, seeing that war rages. God came because there are guns in schools and gay bars. God came because there are families being torn apart at our borders. God came because there are billionaires and also billions of people who don't have enough. God came because we have miraculous, life-saving, life-changing healthcare and we bar people from receiving it. God came because there are people right now in this room who live every day with deep trauma. God came because there are people right now in this room who have lost their sense of purpose and meaning and don't know how to regain it. God came because there are people in this room right now and so many people out there who feel entirely alone and it threatens to kill them every day. God came because it is a matter of life and death. But so much of our Christmas is all light and no shadow. Nothing to give our gatherings depth and dimension. Nothing to make them real. And God became three-dimensional to join us in real life. To alleviate real suffering and to give us real purpose, real work to do. This week we had our council holiday dinner and it was a beautiful dinner. And then at the end, our conversation turned to life at Bethany in the coming year. What was next for us? Would we go back to Biloxi to do more housing rehab in 2023? Could we put, book some Habitat for Humanity dates in the spring, and one person kind of agreeing with the sentiment in the room said, that, that's what we're here for. What else is it about? 
We wouldn't spend our time and money coming back here week after week unless there was a reason, an urgent need, unless God had given us something dangerously interesting to do, to be about. That's why we who gather here gather here, because there is work to do and the stakes are impossibly high. Next month, our congregation will be paired with our fourth refugee family, helping them resettle here in Chicago and having our lives changed in the course of building a relationship with them. And in just a couple of weeks, late-breaking announcement, Bethany is going to host an overdose prevention workshop with the Chicago Department of Public Health, and you'll have a chance to get trained here to recognize the signs of an opioid overdose, and you'll have Narcan that you can go around your life with, carry with you, so that this year you may save someone's actual life. And you have saved someone's actual life being here this year. There are people who are alive today because we were here this year, because you made a place for them. What else is it about? All this candle lighting and storytelling, all this praying and singing. Why do we gather on frigid winter nights when we'd rather stay home, except that God has come to save our lives and to change the world? And God has called us to join in. The need is great. The stakes are high, so much that the living God has come to lead us. This is the night of nights. Let's get to work.